The scripture reading today is from the message, Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, 13, and 14. Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you do not use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That is an act of true freedom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I'd like to ask us to begin by imagining yourself in a certain situation. I invite you to imagine yourself incarcerated this morning. Imagine yourself in a small cell with little more than a, a, a tiny bed, perhaps a sink and toilet. No window, no friends, no family, no job. This is your life inside this small cell. Of course, we have many people in our nation and across the world who physically reside in a jail cell. And that cell exists for a reason. It exists to keep that person inside of it. And the prison system is, is pretty good. Some of you go with Gill uh, down to Bibb County Correctional. But if you've ever been in any prison, if it's max security, then you know that it's not just that room, but there are other walls outside that room. And there are computer, computers, and there are monitors, and there are armed guards and there are towers with people up in the top of them watching out over the prison yard. And there are walls that surround the perimeter of the prison. And they have large strands of very sharp barbed wire on them. The prison that I volunteered at in North Carolina, if, if you were able to get through all of that somehow, there was a person 24-7 who was riding around in a truck with a shotgun around the perimeter of, of all of that, day and night. So imagine yourself in that cell. Sometimes we feel that way, even though we are physically not incarcerated persons. We all go through seasons where we may feel like that, where we feel trapped, where we feel contained, where we feel like we have lost freedom in some way. It may be in a job situation where you really feel like the walls are kind of closing in. It may be finances that make you feel that way, that you're restricted, that there's an there's a amount of stress that might be on you that, that feels like prison. It can be in our relationships. It can be in many different ways. It could be, it could be an addiction, certainly, that could make one feel like they were really confined, unable to escape. I want you to keep that 
feeling or that picture in your mind, but I want you to contrast it by asking yourself a question like this. What's the time in your life when perhaps you have felt the most free? A season or a moment or a relationship or an experience, vacation, whatever it might have been where you just felt the most free. And I want us to kind of keep those two pictures in mind today. Let's put the text back up from the reading this morning. I want to go back through this uh, one time. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Uh, The NIV, I think, says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Skip down later in that same chapter. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. And then listen to the last verse, verse 14. For everything we know about God's Word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. I appreciate Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of that passage. Well, when we talk about freedom and slavery and so forth, we don't have to do it uh, hypothetically. God's people, we can go all the way back to the beginning of the story in Scripture. God's people are very familiar with this idea of slavery, incarceration, confinement, and freedom. Uh, Let's go to the next. In fact, we could start with creation, and we could go back to Genesis chapter 1, and we would say, wow, that, that seemed like true freedom. I mean, God himself spoke this beautiful world into existence, He created this this perfect place and he created a man and a woman who reflected his his own image and he put them in this garden. And and it was, you know, it was all good for a very short period of time, right? The scripture says, you know, the the rhythm of the creation account and at the end of every day it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. And then it got very bad very quickly. And we see the loss of freedom. We see disobedience and rebellion and sin quickly enter into the story of humanity. And there were, of course, terrible consequences for that. But if we look at the Old Testament as a whole, we could basically walk through this cycle. When we find someone like Abraham, who was prosperous, was was a wealthy person, but then the people of God end up being incarcerated in in Egypt, we read about, about the story there. And then they're, they're, they're led out by Moses. They experience freedom, but they're homeless during this, during this period of wandering. And then we get to, to King David, and, and they're really prosperous. Things are good, and the kingdom's growing, and they're strong, and they have great significance in that part of the world. And then before we know it, we're talking about the kingdoms being divided and the kingdoms falling and Assyria and Babylon and the people are, are the, the nation of Israel becomes no more. And they're exiled, they're led out into captivity and to slavery again. 
And then you read uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, and, and they're trying to get it back together. But they're, so they're kind of free. They've been given their freedom by that point, but they're kind of homeless again. So they're having to rebuild everything and rebuild the, the temple and rebuild the wall around the city. There's kind of this circuitous experience of, of God's people, of prosperity and then slavery and hardship and, and prosperity. And then we could look to the New Testament all the way up to, to modern history and think about the, the, the story of humanity navigating, seeking political and spiritual freedom. You could pretty much talk, talk about all of history just about through that paradigm, through that lens of people uh, yearning for, fighting for, leaving to find, reestablishing places where they hope to find freedom. There are a few uh, quotes that I want to share with you this morning from from different people uh, throughout history who have talked about the importance of freedom and the decision that might have to be made between freedom and and something else. Harriet Tubman, that we'll talk a little bit more about in in a minute, who helped lead slaves out of the South, uh, said this, There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one... I would take the other, for no man should take me alive. I should fight for liberty as long as my strength lasted. And then you'll recognize these other couple of quotes. William Wallace in Braveheart, you know, this, this uh, heartfelt speech that he gives to the troops uh, is, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. And Patrick Henry, March 23. 1775, give me liberty or give me death. It's interesting that we keep hearing that, that option laid out. In other words, these people have found liberty and freedom to be so important that they say it's worth dying for. Plainly, it's worth fighting for and dying for. I want us to take a look uh, this morning at freedom and the law. The law was so central to the people of God, to their understanding of what it meant to be religious, to be obedient to God, was you had the law and you followed the law. Uh, But how does that interact with freedom? What what do we learn about freedom from the law? What do we learn about the law from freedom? Uh, Christ and those who followed Him, the the disciples, the the early church, found themselves getting in trouble with some of the Pharisees and other religious leaders over this issue of of the law. In fact, uh, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus finds it necessary to say, I have not come to abolish the law. Why would you say that? Well, because people were criticizing you, saying it's like you're just undoing the whole law of God. And Jesus says, I've not come to do away with it, to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. What is the spirit and the purpose of the law? We know that the law, God gave His people the law in the Old Testament so they would understand what ethics were. So as a group of people who had freedom as a nation, there just wouldn't be utter chaos. But that they would understand that within the freedom as a nation, there are restrictions and limitations that I must accept in order to not infringe on your freedom. The law says that I can't drive. When we talk about state law, 
One of the things it says is, I can't drive however I want. If I'm going to have a license and, and be, uh, be able to operate a vehicle, then I'm supposed to do that within the confines of the law. Here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road. That's not the case everywhere. Some of us have found that out in, in a difficult way. But here it is, you drive on the right side. There's a speed limit, right? And, and there are all kinds of signs and instructions and rules that we understand that we are to operate within as we enjoy this freedom, this privilege of driving. You remember when you turned 16, you might have been so excited to go and get your license because there was an element of freedom that came with that. But the freedom doesn't work unless you operate within the confines of the law. If we all just go out and drive 115 miles an hour, if we all just go out and drink and drive, there won't be freedom in the road. We'd all be afraid to get on the road, right? So we operate within those limitations. With the Old Testament law, the structure or framework is provided for how to get along in society. Verse 14 that we just looked at. All the law and the prophets summed up in this. Love your neighbor. I love my neighbor. Well, is that just a feeling that I can say, oh yeah, I love them? Well, you don't take their stuff, right? That's stealing. If you love your neighbor, you don't take their stuff. You don't covet their, their possessions. You don't lust after uh, their spouse, whatever. There's, there's a way to love your neighbor. And Jesus says, if you, it, it really it summarizes all the law and the prophets. Love your neighbor means that you, you uh, respect them and those boundaries that are there. Of course, no one has, except Jesus himself has ever been successful in perfect obedience to God or to the law. So Paul argues that another purpose of the law was to show us, the law, capital L, to show us that we're not perfect. We're unable to keep that law. We're unable to follow it, and therefore we need Jesus. We need His grace. We need His forgiveness. We need His righteousness. One of the interesting things about the law and Christ and the criticism that he faced is that he, he says something like this. You've heard it said, do not murder, which was, of course, part of the law. But then he said, I say, do not hate one another. He says, you've, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I say, do not lust. So they were condemning Jesus because he was a lawbreaker, because he might have not had his disciples wash their hands in the ceremonial fashion before they ate or something like that. And he all of a sudden says, well, if you understand the, the spirit of the law, he says, I'm going to take you above and beyond mere obedience to the letter of the law all the way to the heart matter of what leads us down the road. If you don't hate someone, you, you, shouldn't, you wouldn't murder them. If we, we lust and then we commit adultery. He's saying, let's get to the heart of the matter. So he wasn't there to do away with the law. He's there to fulfill it, to help them understand that there's freedom in this guidance, in this law. Jesus says to the Pharisees at one point, you are like whitewashed tombs. He says you're clean on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You follow the law, but you miss the point. You overlook the spirit. 
of the law. Well, what are we free for? Let's take a look at we're free, we're free for good. There's freedom for good. There's two ways that we can talk about this. One is that Christ has set us free and is setting us free in order that we might bear good fruit, that we might become righteous, that we might do good. But we can also understand that phrase, free for good, in terms of the once and for all nature of the freedom. Christ has died, Hebrews tells us, not like the lamb or the Old Testament sacrificial offerings that had to be offered over and over and over. Every time you sin, you you go and present an offering. The writer of Hebrews tells us Christ died once for all. All sins of all humanity, Christ died to set people free from their sins. Their implications with freedom for today and for eternity. Living a life of freedom today helps ready my soul for heaven. We live in the reality of God's kingdom coming and His will being done here as it is in heaven when we live free. Free from hate, free from self-centeredness, free from mean-spiritedness, We must be free from the sin, Hebrews tells us, that so easily entangles us so that we can run the race that God has set out for us. I want to go back to Harriet Tubman for a minute because freedom, it turns out, isn't just a private matter for me. I shouldn't just be concerned about Blake's freedom or the household of the Dempseys, and our freedom. As it turns out, if I love my neighbor, I have to be concerned with and committed to the freedom of my neighbor. As a faith community, this is a value, a principle that we hold to, that we are people who are experiencing the freedom of Christ and we are willing to put our time, our talents, our money, everything on the line to help others know the freedom of Christ. And thus we engage in partnership with our friends in Nicaragua and in South Sudan and in Cape Town and Mongolia and Rio and in other places because we want to see everyone come to know the good news of Jesus Christ. What if it was just a matter of, hey, you get free and then you don't worry about anyone else? Harriet Tubman was born in 1822. She was born into a family of slaves who lived in Maryland. In 1849, at the age of 27, she made a decision. And it was a personal, private decision. At first, her brothers were supposed to go with her. They chickened out. She said, I'm going on my own. She left under the cover of darkness, and she traveled 90 miles, hiding from from those who would put her back into her enslavement. She followed the North Star and she reached Philadelphia. And she described that feeling. She said that first morning when I I woke up and I knew that I was in free land, she said it was just a glorious feeling. She said it was like heaven had come down. And so she could have just gone on and lived her life. 
she made it. But what Harriet did that made her a hero, the reason we're talking about her today, we wouldn't be talking about her if she had just said, I'm free, I'm done, I'll go do something. She said, well, there are people who are still back there. Her family was still back there. And she was so burdened for their freedom that she made the trek back into what, would, what really would have been hostile territory for her. And she, she gathered a few and she made the, the trek back under the cover of darkness. They don't know exactly how long it took because it, it wasn't like she was running through it. They would hide in, during the daytime in the marshlands and different areas. There were even some families who were sympathizers who would allow them to sweep their front yards in the early evening or early morning to appear as though they were their slaves. And then they would hit the road and keep moving north. They say it took somewhere probably one to three weeks to make this trek. And she went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, rescuing hundreds of slaves and leading them into freedom. She was a remarkable woman, incredibly courageous and brave. In fact, she was hired at one point and armed by the Union Army to guide a raid at the Combahee Uh, river plantation where they set free 700 slaves. She made this statement, I freed a thousand slaves, I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. She she had this famous quote as well, because they called her the conductor of the Underground Railroad. Her other nickname was Moses for understandable reasons. But she said, they call me the conductor of the Underground Railroad But I can say something no other conductor can say. I never ran the train off the rails and I never lost a single passenger. Extraordinary. She was concerned not just for herself but for others. And so she kept placing herself in danger over and over in order to to bring others to freedom. So we go back to the image of us sitting in the jail cell. Now, I want to ask two questions. One is this. If we were in the jail cell and all the mechanisms that are used to keep you in the jail cell were done away with, in other words, the doors were opened, the guards laid down their guns, the gates opened, all of that was done away with, how foolish would it be to remain seated in the cell. That would be outrageously foolish, wouldn't it? And yet, spiritually, there are seasons where we find ourselves feeling like we're incarcerated and forgetting, honestly, just forgetting. I think that's why the word remember shows up so much in Scripture. Remember what God has done. Remember what He's done. Remember what He's done. Jesus Lord's Supper, remember what I've done. Christ has set us free from anything that could incarcerate us. Christ is bigger and stronger and more powerful and He is able to and has set us free. The other question that I would ask is, if if you were in that cell and all the mechanisms used to keep you there were, were done away with and you could walk out, would you take anyone else with you? 
Spiritually speaking, sometimes we have made our salvation such an individual, personal, private matter that we forget that we are called, that we are commissioned to to share with others the story of our being set free. Not to argue them into belief. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit helps someone to have their eyes open to believe in Christ, to accept the Christ of love, to surrender to Christ. We're called to do what what Paul did in, in, in the book of Acts. Go back and read what he did. He just told his story over and over he says, I was, I was walking down the road to Damascus, and he just shares what happened. And he keeps telling people. Pastor Aragon just keeps telling people the story of the greatness of God. And there's power in that. And so, friends, we don't have to know all the doctrine exactly. We don't have to have everything figured out. We just need to be willing to share our story of deliverance. And God takes that and He blesses it. And all of a sudden other people catch a vision for, oh, you mean we can walk, you mean we can get out of this jail cell? You mean we can leave? Yes, you can leave. Because the 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 mysterious truth of the good news is that even if you are in a jail cell, even if you are enslaved somewhere physically, Jesus Christ sets us free in here, and forever. And no one can mess with that. They can do whatever they want to to your body, but no one can touch the fact that Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of our sins has broken the shackles, and we are free. We are free to live and to love as Christ did. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for the freedom that we have in Christ. It was not free. Jesus Christ laid down His life. He died. And we believe in His death and we believe in His resurrection. And we know, O God, that the testimony of Your Word is clear. You are bigger and more powerful than death. Even though death seems pretty final... that you offer us an eternity where death is undone, where injustice is undone. Thank you, God, for the gift of freedom. Help us to cherish it, to love it, to embrace it, to never forget it, and to always share it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.